Welcome to the Labcast by IAOA with your host, Captain Dave Jackson. Good morning, all you Collabcast listeners. This is Captain Dave Jackson coming to you from absolutely sunny Hendersonville, Tennessee. Looking out my window, we've got blue sky, and I think uh, we're looking at 50s and 60s here in Tennessee for Christmas week, which is unbelievable. Um, We haven't had a lick of snow, a flake of snow yet. Uh, for the winter season, but it's been chilly. We had 22 for a low. For us, that's very chilly. I know you northerners had some uh, uh, snow. I know Ohio and Cleveland has had snow, the northeast. Um, but uh, here in Tennessee, we get a little bit of mildness, so no white, no white Christmas for us. Uh, not this year. It's happened, but it's pretty rare. So uh, I can't tell you how thrilled I am to have uh, with me today as our guest a uh, good friend of mine who's been a member of IOA for a long, long time. He's probably an OG, one of the original gangsters of the group. Uh, and he's from the good state of Maryland, Mr. Bob Klinger. Bob, welcome to Collabcast. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate it. I'm excited to be a part of it. And, and if I can share any words of wisdom, I'll be glad to. Thank Absolutely. You. Our listeners are going to be thrilled to hear what you have to say. Are you looking to have a white Christmas this year? I'm hoping so. If not, I may have to fly somewhere to ski to get to get that way Christmas. <laughs> not right now. There's no snow on the ground. No snow, just chilly. Just oh, okay. Chilly. Yeah, yeah. That's how it is here. Um, absolutely no snow. Um, we had snow two years ago, eight inches. I think it was in February, and the city completely shuts down. They don't have snow plows because it only happens like once every ten years. So they're not prepared for that. So the city shuts down. I mean, school closes for a week. The malls are closed. It's just like the apocalypse, you know, or COVID. So, uh, and that's what happens in your border states, you know, where you sure. definitely don't have winter and sometimes you do have winter. So uh, we're not, we're kind of a little bit like you, temperate or me- me- weather-wise. So uh, for those of you who don't know, Bob uh, is located in the great state of Maryland, which is technically part of the D.C. area, correct? Yeah, they call it the DMV. Okay. we're 20 minutes outside of Virginia, about 20 minutes outside of D.C. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. And are you a native Maryland? No, I'm originally born and raised in Pennsylvania. So it's okay. funny, I, I went to school up in Erie, and Erie they would get like feet of snow. Oh, three feet, gosh, four yes. feet. That's so on the lake. down here... And they start shutting things down after it was the thought of snow or snowflake. I would laugh. I'm like, I'm still going to work. I know, What's going I know. on? Yeah, we came here uh, when we moved to Tennessee a couple of years ago. Uh, we came and had uh, an appointment with a uh, realtor. And she called us up and she says, uh, hey, we have to cancel tomorrow's showings. I said, tomorrow? Why? She says, they think it might snow. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they didn't know if it was, but they were canceling ahead of time. That's all freaked out they get. It's just it's, it's funny. I laugh. I'm from Iowa in the Midwest uh, originally. So, you know, winter blizzards, totally used to it, very cold. And it can be mild or it can be super icy and snowy. You just never know what you're going to get. But so saying that listeners may not know about your background, Bob, you spent time in the military. You were an army army man. Was that right out of college or before? It was, uh, well, it was a little bit before and then through college and then after college. Okay. You know, and how so, long were you uh, in the Army? 
I did 20 years, six months, 17 days, and 33 seconds, but I never counted. But in who's counting? That's and right. what was, um, so I, if you're not familiar with military, um, what was your role? Were you out there shooting a gun on the front lines or um, you? The... Well, it's funny. I had many roles. When I, I was a Mustang. I was first came in as enlisted. I was PV1 at the lowest rank and then went up to E5 sergeant. And then I went to OCS and then became a second lieutenant. And then I retired as a commander of the 1st Infantry Division, which was a infantry, uh, um, light infantry attack team. So it was a hunter killer team in Iraq. Wow. See, you military folks can talk the lingo and the talk, and you got your your set of acronyms like goes on forever. But those of us that are non-military, we hear that and we're like, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. So late infantry, we're boots on the ground. We're the guys that kick in the door. Oh, I know. Um, I'm just if, giving if, you. If, if there's a list, we go snatch you. You know, things like uh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, very cool. Um, I mostly learn those terms when I watch TV so <laughs> and some kind of war show or crime show. So um, anyway, um, I want to say thank you for your service. We appreciate you uh, and all you put in to defend our country. Thank you for that. Um, it's super important. And uh, I just uh, flew, let's see, last weekend, went to visit my kids and it was in an airport. I was on Southwest. If you know how they board their planes, they do it by numbers and letters. It's zones, I guess you call it. And um, there was a guy, young guy, 20-some, in uniform, in his um, green berets. And he was standing there right at the podium, like patiently waiting. And they usually let them go like very first, at the very sure. beginning, if they're in uniform and have ID and all that. Um, but for some reason he was waiting. So I stopped and I said, would you like to go ahead of me? And I thought maybe the gate agent was going to say, I'm sorry, sir. He's not allowed to board yet. Uh, well, I, I would have like had to raise my voice, I think, cause that just wasn't right. And so no, nothing happened. No event. He joined, he walked right on ahead of me and, um, uh, got a, you know, a more front upfront seat. So um, so that was a good thing. And, uh, I thanked him for his service and he was so polite. He's like, thank you for su your support, sir. And, you know, it's gone are the days of Vietnam when the public, the general public didn't support the, the military or military. Um, I think we're more supportive today than I've seen, uh, in years and years. And so, um, it's important for, those of us who are non-military citizens to recognize that you guys put your, your lives on the line for the rest of us. And it makes me tear up. I'm like, geez, that what you guys do and you do it voluntarily for the most part. It's just incredible to me. So once again, thank you for your service. We appreciate you. I appreciate it, Dave. You're welcome. So I ask this of all my guests, you've been in the insurance industry a long time like me was it planned or was it accidental? Mine was accidental. I got out of the, you know. Almost first everyone Gulf, says that. Out of the first Gulf War, I was going to go back to school and go to law school. And I took a summer off between and I was at yeah. the beach and met a girl and started dating this young lady. And her dad was in insurance. And I went home. And oh, that was the connection. He, yeah, he mentioned to me about insurance. And I said, I don't think I want to be that bullheaded white guy, insurance guy selling insurance. <laughs> well, 30 years later, I'm the bald-headed white guy, you know, selling insurance. But, uh, you know, I, I started out with Mass Mutual. 
out of Buffalo, New okay. York. Okay. Okay. And um, I, I got into life insurance because my wow. dad died when I was little, and, and we didn't have any life insurance, and it disrupted our family when we right. were growing up. Right. right. So that kind of became a passion for me there. Little did I know, within the first six months, I'd pay two major death claims and really put things into perspective. And then that year, I sold over 520 life policies. I was the number one agent in the country for Mass Mutual. Wow, that's so an incredible it, it, story. It, it, it became a passion. You know, it wasn't about the sell, it was about helping people and right. promises right. made, promises kept. Cool. That's a cool story. So, how did you transition from life into more PNC? Well, you know, I got recognized quite a bit because I sold a lot of life insurance. So a small little company called Area Insurance came to me and said, hey, we think we, you know, we have an agency in Maryland that's looking for a big life hitter. And um, he'd love to have you come down to interview and uh, take a look at it. And at the time, it made sense because the area was a blue collar area. And one of the bad things is, you know, business was come, business was go. And I think I kind of outgrew that area at that point. And I wanted for something bigger. And so I went down there, interviewed. I liked the agency. The, the, the gentleman used to be the senior VP at Erie at one time. And he opened his agency up. And he had a good agency. So I went to work for him, got him plenty of awards. But our values didn't align. And the ethics of the way we see business didn't align. And so at that point, I had a non-compete. I left there. And then I started my own company, Klinger Insurance Company here. It was Klinger Associates at the time then became doing business as Klinger Insurance Group. Okay, very cool. So just give uh, our listeners a little bit of an idea of the status of your agency. So you can tell us, well, I'm more personalized versus commercial or life benefits, or you can tell us how many employees you have or size premium or revenue-wise. Give us an idea, a snapshot of your agency. We are about, I'd say, 50% commercial, 40% personal, 10% life health benefits. Okay. Um, staff size is about 26. Revenues about 38 million. So 26 staff size. Here we are post-COVID. The today, where are your staff? Are they all in one location, office? Are they're, they hybrid? They're in th they're Some in remote locations. I have a core here. I have half here. I have a bunch of them throughout the United States, New York, Kansas City, uh, Florida, and then I have the Philippines. All remote, those other folks. Okay. Sorry. So Philippines, that's an interesting thing because I see on social media, I see you post about your Asian trips and how, I mean, vast majority of us in the industry are 48 state based, you know? Many of us are one domiciled, one state, resident license, and no others. But there are a lot with, you know, non-resident and work in multiple states, but very few outside the country. How did that come to happen? Well, I, you know, I'm used to traveling internationally. Being in the military, I traveled right around the road. Mm -hmm. um, I have a, I have a, I'm a partner in a business in uh, Thailand. And so it was very easy. When I start seeing people, you know, hiring in the Philippines, I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to go check it out and go direct. And so, you know, like anything else, a good infantryman's boots on the ground. Right. You start meeting senators in Florence, start getting introductions. I, you know, my first hire was five years ago. She's been with me ever since. She manages uh, uh, that division in the Philippines. And we've grown and grown and grown. And so I go to the Philippines three times a year to meet the staff, to train the staff, to recruit new staff, and build other relationships there. And so when I go to Asia, I'm going two parts. I'm going... 
to do business up in Thailand um, with my company and the products we're doing right now, as well as real estate investments that way. And then we go over to the Philippines uh, for the insurance and for my staff there. Okay. So you're not actually writing insurance outside the U.S. You just have staff. Well, we do. Yeah. Uh, we do international medical. We have uh, four dignitaries that come from here to there or vice versa. And we, so we can do. We're actually going to create another company called Klinger Worldwide, which will come soon. Oh, that will very do cool. A lot of international stuff because being in D.C., we have a lot of clients that are all throughout the world and they're needing coverage and precise coverage. And so we're working at right now with different carriers. Okay. So is that could be PNC or more life or health or uh, what it's do you expect? Gonna be, it'll, be, it'll be life, it'll be health, and there will be some PNC exposure too. Okay. Wow, that's very cool. You've got your... Uh, you know, be, uh, you've spoken at um, our IOA conference before, so you've sent me your bio, and it's, I want to th- say, three or four pages long. You have a most prestigious, impressive career, and you've got a lot of balls in the air, a lot of things going. I look at your bio, and it says, from this date to present, and they all say, this date to present. It's not like you did anything and then finished it up. Um, they're all current, which is crazy. There's a couple things you and I talked about, you know, before we got on the air here. And one I want to talk about, um, is the boys and girls club. So not insurance related, but you tend to put yourself out in your community and get super, super involved. Is that a strategy or is that just a passion? You know, everything's with me is a passion because it's something that happened in my life. You know, um, Big brothers and big sisters. I had a big brother at one time when my dad passed away. And so that big brother was a good mentor for me growing up part-time. And so that's why I got involved with big brothers and big sisters. The Boys and Girls Club, we didn't have that back then. We had the YMCA. But it's almost a similar concept. But I really liked Mm -hmm. their concept. I started donating money. And then they they liked me a lot. Then they wanted to put me on the board, the D.C. board and things like that. But I like their mission. I like uh, I like what they're doing, taking youth off the street, you know, putting them in STEM, getting them involved in sports and other things versus, you know, doing things to get themselves in trouble. And okay. so uh, another one is Rainbow Place. Rainbow Place is a shelter for women to abuse women. And um, unfortunately, my mother was abused by her second marriage. Oh, and so when I, ha- when I found out about that there, I'm like, look. There's a great organization in a wealthy county of Montgomery County. It's hidden away where people don't know, know it exists. But there's 75 ladies there at any given time living there that are abused, have nowhere to go. Um, and so we start giving back to that organization there. And, you know, Operation Second Chance, I got involved with them because I met Cindy McGrewer when I was in the hospital and I got blown up in Iraq. And she was there, one of the first charities to come help me and many of my other peer veterans. And here I didn't know that they had an office right down the street from me in Germantown, and we got active with them. And then we've grown and supported them financially in their events throughout the years. And so everything I've done is something that's impacted me in my life, or I've seen that they've really made a cause for some people that I truly care about. That's very cool. The passion projects are absolutely the best. Um, I mean, Dave, we just came back from the Philippines, and um, this year we did a community cause for kids with cancer. And I'm not a great public speaker, but I was truly lost for words. What do you say with kids that are one years of age to 14? They're dying of cancer or fighting cancer. But, you know, they're singing me songs and I'm feeling so pity for them. 
and I'm seeing what they're going through, but they they were so happy and inspirational. And it made me think about <laughs> when you wake up with a backache, a sore knee, a headache, whatever, it's nothing compared no. to what these kids are going through. Isn't that the truth? And, and I tell you, it meant so much to me, so much to my staff to be able to help that organization and help raise money for them as well. And so that's the beauty of this business. This business has allowed me to grow, to spread, to give back to the community and others, which I'm very passionate about. And that's why we formed Clinger Cares. Very cool. Tell us about Clinger Cares. Clinger Cares is a nonprofit where a lot of what I do, I partner with some of my carers. Instead of paying me residuals, donate into our things, and we give back to the community. So we give back to, we have a backpack program for kids going to school. There's 11 elementary schools in Germantown. We probably issue about five to 600 backpacks every year with all school supplies. We have a reading program. We encourage kids to read. And at the end of the month, they put their names in the hat for the number of books they've read. And we go to the school in front of the student body and we raffle off um, a bicycle, a helmet, a reflector vest and a lock. Just to encourage kids to read. Um, we do the soup kitchens, Frederick County, Montgomery County, feeding the homeless. Mm-hmm. Uh, we help partner with Big Brothers and Big Sisters for their bowl for kids sake. We do um, Montgomery County Animal Shelter. We're very big into the animals and, and, and things like that. We also sit on Operation Wildlife, which is rescuing wildlife that's injured, rehabbing them, putting them back into the wilderness. Um, we do Operation Second Chance. Um, we have a lot of hands, and we support all the booster clubs, you know, for the school banners, for their sports teams. Um, there's other things. We, we uh, Three years ago, we helped build a soccer field in Lampong, Thailand. You know, um, and so we've done things internationally the last three years as well. Very cool. But we are committed to giving back to the community. Uh, we vet these organizations to make sure it's legit, to make sure the money's going to the right spot. And, um, and so that's what we do. I mean, and my employees enjoy it too. And so that's a big thing too. You know, we encourage them. We say you have to do at least eight hours mentor community service, but they have no problems with that. They'll do more than that because they believe in the cause. And a lot of them times they'll come to me and say, hey, um, just like this cancer uh, charity thing, the people in the Philippines came to me and said, hey, take a look at this organization. And I did. We vetted them. We went there. And and so um, we feel good about it. And it puts things into perspective because we are so blessed to live in a country, so blessed to have the things we have. And we take for granted during the holiday season, like the holiday season, we do Thanksgiving meals and holiday meals. We go to the school counselors. They tell us how many families are in need. We go to Safeway, buy the pre-Thanksgiving meals or the holiday meals, and then we take them over to the schools. We never even meet these people. But we know at the end of the day, when I'm eating dinner with my family, we've helped some other people along the way too. That's very cool. We could probably talk about more projects uh, and that would take us days that you're involved in. But here's my question to you after listening to you talk about that. <clears throat> Majority of our listeners are going to be IOA members, which are independent agency brokers, or owners of agencies. Majority of them. Uh, what's your advice to them as to the reason why and why it's important to get involved in your community in these types of projects? Well, you know, a lot of times, you know, you give, give, give. And sometimes along the way, like Operation Second Chance, they came to me and said, hey, Bob, we'd like you to do all our insurance. And many of these organizations came back to me because their agent wasn't bringing any value. They weren't seeing anything. And so we do it from the heart. But along the way, you get noticed because when you're active on these boards, 
you're meeting other CEOs of other organizations. And then they say, hey, what do you do? And then it, it's a warm introduction. And it's not a sell or anything like that. It just comes doors open in many different ways. I and, love it. And again, when you're doing the right thing, um, things will come your way. Yeah, that's been my message for years and years and years. You don't do it with a uh, objective in mind. You do it from the heart, like you say. And what happens, happens. And usually it's by far more good things that happen than, than not. So that's terrific. Thanks for your advice there. Um, one of the things that you and I talked about that I'd like to ask you about, because I think they're really unique, one of them is DVIC. That stands for Disabled Veterans Insurance Careers. So tell us about that. How are you involved? Well, we were heavily involved when the war was going on and things like that, trying to recruit people that are military veterans, okay, and getting into the insurance field. Now, that has pivoted some to where now with the state of Maryland, we're trying to recruit veterans to become licensed agents, okay? Because they have a lot of the great soft skills that we don't, they have the attention to detail, following directions. Uh, they're used to working hard, long hours. They're used mm -hmm. to sucking it up. Mm -hmm. They're used to following directions. So they have a lot of great attributes that we need in our industry. And it's hard because when you come out of the military, if you're 11B and you're an infantry guy, you're thinking, okay, I'm either military, SWAT, CIA, FBI, mm -hmm. Secret Service type, things like that. But if you don't want to go that path, you, how do you take those skills that you learn from the military and transition them into the civilian field? And so we do a lot of things like that to try to recruit veterans coming into Maryland, our area, and getting them a home in the insurance field. And you're talking about directly with your own agency? Even with our own agency, but I've placed them in other agencies too. They're way out okay. of my area. Where, okay. you know, and so, or underwriters and carriers. So in the state of Maryland, for example, if you're a veteran, um, they have a program where they'll pay for the licensing to get you licensed. Okay. Very cool. And so it, it's a nice feature there. It really is. So this just isn't for the DC area. This could be for a veteran anywhere in the country. Yeah, they'll place them. I mean, when they, when okay. DVC, DVIC was really active and running, there I can't remember the head guy there, but he was placing people throughout the United States. Okay, very cool. That's a project that you don't hear about every day, you know, and so I thought that was unique, and I wanted to ask you about it. Another one is the fact that I was amazed by this because I don't think I've ever seen anybody else get involved at this in this kind of uh uh, level within the state insurance department, but this is the Maryland Insurance Administration Administration Producer Licensing Advisor Board. So, number one, I didn't know there was such a board in any state, but I presume that as an advisory board, it's licensed agents like yourself, and you are mm -hmm. looking to approve the process of getting producers licensed. Is that what it sounds like? We look at the process, we look at the exam, we look at the questions. So we're looking at life and health, property and casualty, making sure we're looking at C credits, you know, what should agents be responsible to do or take and things like that there. And so you're getting to meet the head of the MIA, you're getting to meet all the parties in play and you're getting to see some things back behind the scenes, but then you get to see the politics too, or why something happens For one sure. way or the other. Yeah. And again, uh, you're meeting a lot of smart people from different areas, different fields. Um, but it was an honor when they came to me and said, hey, look, we'd like you to be a part of it. And I said, sure, why not? So was this new at the time they asked you or did 
been in existence for no, a while. They, 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 they've been in existence for a while. I don't know how long, but okay. it, it's been years that they've had okay. it. Okay. That's very cool. I didn't even know that existed. I I taught CE for years and years earlier in my career, but I didn't know board advisory boards like that, you know, of the working public, so to speak, help the, uh, in your case, Emma, is it MAI or MIA? Yeah, Mar yeah MIA, MIA. And which is good because, you know, you get a lot of people that never been in the insurance environment, but just got appointed to these positions and are making decisions, but they don't realize how it really impacts the agents, you know, and things like that. Right, you right. know, when COVID right. happened, having people take tests from home and how were they going to deal with that? And how were you going to make sure it was secure and right. safe and, and, right. and right. And so it's a great thing. And I'm, I'm great. I'm proud and honored to be a part. Yeah, of that's it. very cool. That's the kind of thing that'd be for me, that'd be right up my alley. It's probably more of a uh, role for us veteran folks because we care about the next generation, you know, who are entering our industry because that's always a concern. Um, you know, are there going to be enough personnel to fill the roles that are needed? And are they going to be properly educated, you know, to fill those roles? I mean, Maryland's going to roll out with the test in, in Spanish. Well, they'll be able to take it all in Spanish. Never done that before? Yeah. Not, huh. not it's all been in English. Oh, I'll be darned. So, okay. Yeah. So that's soon to come out here shortly. Okay. Very cool. So you've been in this industry a long, long time. And so have I. And this year, 2023, we've seen what's referred to as a hard market, probably one of the the, mo the hardest uh, that's come around in a long, long time. Would you agree from what you've seen? You know, it, it, it truly has. I mean, we've been in business 30 years. I've never seen it this intense. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, for us, it's been a great opportunity. That's what you told me before we got on the air, is that you're up 26%. 26% in terms of what? Revenue, premium, production? Revenue, I mean, across the board. I mean, policy count, our <laughs> PIV count, our retention, everything. What helped us was, you know, we have so many different carriers. And that's something I would say to agents. You have to be careful about who you go in bed with, with For the carrier, sure. okay? And you really got to look at your stability, and you got to really... You don't want to have too many cares because, yeah, it's easy to get an appointment, but then if you don't make them happy and you start getting, um, they start terminating your contracts, that doesn't look good down the road if you're trying to get a real good carer and they say you've been terminated quite a few times either. Um, so you got to find that balance. And But I always like to go with the, the power of threes. We have to have redundancy in everything we do by three. Okay. So what, what do you attribute this 26% increase in 2023? Because there's a whole lot of agents out there who are crying the blues saying, I have more work than I've ever had before, and retention is critical. That's all I can focus on, which is probably true because there's a whole bunch of carriers out there right now who are saying no new business. So what do you attribute that to? You know, a, a part of it is, you know, okay, people are calling and they want to reshop. Mm -hmm. And that's a great opportunity mm -hmm. to cross out where we may have had a monoline and now we took from one policy to two or three policies. Um, there's been a lot of upsell opportunities there. So we've had a, we, we've gotten to speak to, to a lot of our insurers and I have the right staffing to deal with this issue. But also social media has been a big part of what we do. I mean, we, and I ask people, how did you hear? They Google us, Google us, Google us, Google us. Our phones are ringing off the hook. And because we have great reviews, it's built a little bit of trust on a magazine. Mm -hmm. um, we've, we've done very, very well with a lot of commercial accounts because agents have not went out and seen their clients in many, many years. 
And now people are starting to pay attention. They're like, I got this bill and I haven't seen my agent in many years. I think I need to shop around. And so that's been great. At Center of Influence, a lot of our attorneys or CPAs, um, they've referred us a ton of business because their clients are coming to them. They're feeling the pressure. And we built a trust and a report in a DCR with a lot of attorneys, law firms and accounting firms. And they're forwarding us a ton of business as well. Wow. So were you staffed uh, to handle all this or did you increase staff? We had increased staff. There's okay. no doubt. We had we had increased staff. We had to maybe remove some people from staff that weren't the right people in the right seats. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, you look at the EOS system and traction. You want to have mm-hmm. the right people in the right seat. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were some people that weren't in the right right person in the right seat, and we had to replace them. But we are in a good position, and and uh, it's been busy. Even December, December's been a really busy month for us. Because traditionally, that's not the case. It usually slows down mm-hmm. after Thanksgiving, you know, to the New yep. Year. But I, I, I mean, just yesterday alone, I wrote three accounts. It was like $230,000. I mean, and so, I mean, we're killing it right now. And knock on wood, God bless. But I mean, uh, you ride that wave as long as you can. So you just brought up a point that I want to talk about because it hits home with me. You just said you wrote three accounts. Are you talking about you personally? I did yesterday. Okay. I, so- I, I mean, usually 90% I don't. Okay. Uh, 90% I'm not in the business. I'm looking at everything because it's, we only do insurance. We have other companies too. And so that's, I'm involved in a lot of other things, but these particular cases here, they came to me and they want me to be a part of it. And so I was naturally involved from start to finish. Okay. So you do get personally involved. Um, so you haven't written yourself out of that producer role. No, I I still love to hunt. I still love Mm -hmm. to kill. I love yep. being in those meetings. I love the challenge. You know, sometimes I yep. miss it when I see my guys go through it. Um, but I, I, I'm an infantry guy. I like the I like the boots <laughs> on the ground. Sure, you're just like me because I, you know, there's uh, a philosophy out there that you need to work on your agency versus in your agency. You know, which is better? And for me, it's whatever's better for you. You know, it does. I don't think. Uh, it's wise to cast a wide blanket and say uh, everyone should be working on their agency uh, and not in their agency on the day-to-day. I love sales. And I told everybody, I will never leave the sales role. I love it. And so I want to maintain that that kind of role. Uh, and if I need, time-wise, if I need other aspects of my agency, I'll hire help to do the other aspects so that I can spend time in sales. But not everybody's that way, and I get it. A lot of people like to just, you know, assume the management role. And there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with that. And but the truth is, majority of us do it, do both, and they somehow figure out how to find the balance that's right for them. And I you sound the, like it's I the same I think the way. balance is a, is a healthy thing. And, you know, I don't think I could have been a good commander if I wasn't a good private E1. Right. Because I understood what everybody was going through. And I think when you understand it and you've done that and you're still part of it a little bit, you don't lose sight of what they're going through. And uh, again, I love being in front of my clients. I love talking to them. But I love, I mean, we're looking three, six months, you know, our 10 year plan on the EOS system. I mean, so we're still hitting our 90 day rocks or meetings and things like that. I um, mean, we run everything pretty regiment like a military operation. Hmm. Do you get involved in the, you know, there's a lot, already a lot of talk about IT or tech, as we call it today. 
in agencies. Do you get involved in that part of it at all? Do you get involved in the um, the systems, uh, reviewing them, or you know, looking I at contracts? I am the least IT person, but I have a very good IT team, and I'm always challenging. So when I'm traveling to an IOA event or this event or that event, I'm texting them real time saying, I need you to look at this, look at that, see what we can tweak, what we can do better. And so I'm not afraid to spend money where it makes sense in that because it, it's there's no doubt. I mean, I just moved my screens to where I could see 16 at one time. So, I mean, I mean, we are big on that. Anything automation. I remember when we first had one monitor and we took it to two, we thought that was the greatest thing. Then we yep. took it to three. So now my yep. staff anywhere between three and four on any desk. And, and the efficiency of it is amazing. And so, um, you know, we're, we're willing to spend where it needs to be spent. Um, to give the customer a better experience to make it better for my staff too. That's cool. I'm not sure everybody just caught what you just said, but you just, because you told me earlier, what you're looking at right now, our viewers don't see, but what you're looking at at your desk is 16 screens, correct? Yeah, it's four major ones, but you can break them down into quadrants. And so right. I have various businesses on various screens so I can see all my companies yeah. in a row, real time what's acting. But I can actually see too, who's on the phone, how many policies are writing, what's going on. So I call it my command center. It's like a battalion talk in the military. Sure, it's your whole sure. command looking at the whole area of operation. And that's what I built. Okay. Did, was that by, did your IT staff suggest you to go to this? Or no, how did that this was, come that was about? Me. That was me. I, that was, I started tinkering. I'm like, oh, it'd be nice if I have this one here. Oh, well, that hurts my neck. So we need to lift the screens and go this way, go that way, justice. And we're still tweaking it. Um, but I tell you what, it's... It's it's neat. It really is. My my staff laugh because they look in and they see these big ass tiring screens and all that. But they <laughs> but they, they know I'm on top of things and uh, it's it's I'm enjoying it. So you are one to, that is willing to embrace technology and bring it on when it makes sense to make things your business more efficient or productive. There's a lot of folks who shy away. You know. Too I mean, old school to change. You got to have that line item in your budget every year, just like your line item for marketing. You got to have a certain amount of money to invest so that you're constantly never being outdated. With stuff. I mean, every two three years, computers are done. You know, you you got to spend money to make money. And if you want speed of business and you want to be able to do certain things, you, you need to stay on top of it. For sure. So I want to get back to this hard market that we, because this has been on everybody's mind, obviously this year. It's harder for some, more for some than it is for others. But for what I would call the prototypical PNC agent these days, the 70-30 or the 80-20, there's so many of them that are 70 or 80% personal lines versus commercial. You're 50% commercial and then less on the personal side. So... Uh, there's a lot of folks who would say, yeah, Bob, you're 50% commercial, so you're not seeing it quite as hard as the rest of us who are more heavy on the personal side. Do you buy that? No, we see it because there's, the commercial's feeling the bleed, too. I mean, if you're writing D&O, E&O, professional, I mean, I had a client yesterday who went from an umbrella, a $10 million umbrella of $12,000 to $27,000, okay? And I shopped it all around. So when you start writing 10, 15, $25 million umbrellas, it's getting to be very, very tough to find markets and you're going yeah. to multiple cares to get the layers of the umbrellas. It's Let not alone at a competitive rate, just yeah, markets yeah. that it, are willing to entertain it. Yeah. I mean, we had three cares to pull it out of the market. We had one insurance carrier in Maryland that's been in business for home for 150 years. They sold out. They're non-renewing people. We've had 
other, I'm not going to mention carers' names, you know, quit wanting to write <laughs> business or pull out of state. So we've had the challenges. But again, the power of three, we have redundancy in everything we do. And so we automatically know that carers are going to do crazy things. And I can't build my business plan on just what they're doing because I know when they say partner, that doesn't truly mean we're a partner. As much as they like to say that, it's right. what's good for them. And uh, and I'm always looking at what's good for my client and what's good for my agency makes sense. And that's what we're doing. And so, again, we've had to move quite a few people. We've had to do a lot of different things. It's been a lot of work. I, I've spent a lot more work. I mean, there's weeks where I've worked 80 hours in a week. It's insane. You say, I'm 30 years in the business. But you got to do whatever it takes to, to get the job done. This time will mm-hmm. pass. I mean, I could sit there mm-hmm. and complain about how bad things are, or I could shake the trees and make things happen. Yep. I don't like negative people. I don't want to be around that. It's like cancer. And so I'm everything yep. about positive. Go, go, go. Yep. Uh, we all have choices to make, right? That's right. So decide where you want to be or how you want to be and uh, take the right path from there. So. Let me ask you about in this market. So you talk about carriers. Your your agency is no different than most of us. Carriers are either leaving the state or they're restricting new business or their increases are things we've never seen before. You know, 12,000 to 27,000. That's a 200% plus increase. I mean, who think who sees that? So how do you educate your staff to deal with your policyholders, your clients? And educate them as to, because the number one question, why did my rate goes up, you know? And I don't blame them. I'd be asking that same question from 12000 to 27000 yeah. Why does that happen? And how do you educate your staff to deal with that? Well, we're going on a two-track system. One, we're building talking points for our staff. We have um, meetings every Tuesday and Thursday. We're going over the markets, what, what's going on, strengths, weaknesses, vulnerabilities, uh, trying to foresee where things are at. And we're giving them things and, and, and we play back the calls. So we audit 10% of the calls every month. We're playing all the calls in front of the staff and they're listening to how people are handling objections, how they're dealing with questions and things like that. But we're being perfectly honest with the clients too. What's going on? I mean, we're constantly, we have newsletters going out. We have things in social media post about why rates are going up, what's going on in this area. Maybe take a look at this to save money there. And so it's not a shock because we're informing our clients throughout the whole year, multiple times through multiple ways of social media. And if I see something in the Wall Street Journal, I'm sharing it with them. So it's not Bob Klinger just saying it. Here's the Wall, you know, Wall Street Journal. Here's this article here. But we're trying to find solutions for them too to suffer, to lessen the pain. And, and that's really what we're doing. And I think that's what we're gaining because some agents are not, they're afraid to call their clients to tell them the news. We're being proactive in doing that. And I think that's making a difference there. Rather than being reactive, we're being proactive on it. That you couldn't have said that any better because there's nothing, just like you said earlier, you're getting business because uh, folks are looking at their bill and say, I haven't heard from my agent in years. And do guess what's happening? Those folks are leaving those agencies. So if you're proactive and staying in touch and getting out in front of it, you're, you're, that's more than half the battle right there because uh, now those folks are going to not be so adamant and reactive back to you. 
they're going to have a better understanding, especially if you're educating them as to I'm, why. We've told clients, look, hey, if you move, I can move you to this care, but they're going to go out and inspect it. And oh, by the the tree coming close to your house, they're going to want you to cut it down. Oh, by the <laughs> way, they're going to want this and this and this. And some people have tested it and thought we weren't saying it. And then right. we moved them and then they had a whole bunch of lists. And then they went to come back to the other care. And now they have the same problem with the other care because now the other care is wanting the same thing. And so we're letting them know what's happening and explain to them. And so if they want to make that choice, they need to understand once you cross over that bridge, that care that you had for 20 years prior may want to have a second bite of the apple this time and take a look and say, your siding has moss on it. You know, you're missing this, you know, the tree, whatever the situation is, but they're, I mean, they're flying drones over roofs. They're doing aerial Mm -hmm. pictures, even though they require us to inspect, they're going out and doing an inspection off of us again. And so it's a tough market. It's labor intensive and you just gotta, you gotta invest in it. And if you do and you fight through it, you'll come out stronger at the end of the day. Yep. Carriers are doing more and more underwriting. Just no kidding. Timing is incredible. Just this morning, my doorbell rings um, two hours ago. And a gentleman's there. He says, I'm here to inspect your house. This is a six-year-old house. Okay. Yes, we had tornadoes in Nashville area uh, two weeks ago. 13 of them on one Saturday night. It was pretty crazy. It was um, closer than I'd rather uh, admit to. So they're out here being proactive, underwriting six-year-old houses, not 56-year-old houses, six-year-old homes. And he went around and did all the exterior stuff he needed to do. And he was flying a drone around, wanted to check the roof. So um, that's to the extent that carriers are going now. If you didn't know that, agents, if you're not seeing that, that's the type of things that you're going to see. There'll probably be more and more routine than we've ever seen before. I'll give you an example in Maryland. I'll get a phone call from my underwriter saying, do you know so-and-so had a DUI or reckless driving? I'm like, no. They're pulling the Maryland Judiciary case search. And they're looking wow. at real-time stuff. And they stuff. never would have done that before. No. I mean, they're looking at social media. My commercial. They're looking at everything on social media, everything you post Isn't on Facebook. Isn't that crazy? They're, and they'll say to me, uh, you said this is a restaurant, but we see uh, a, someone drinking a shot going down a slide or something like that. Or, you know, <laughs> I mean, right. so they're going to every extent. So we're pulling the social media. We're looking at these things up front as much as possible. So there's no surprise in that there. I think the biggest thing I would tell agents is you really need to pay attention because this could be an E&O nightmare. We're seeing carriers change language in the policy jackets, not putting it up front, fully disclosing it, maybe towards the back. And, you know, where they're taking a deductible from a thousand to maybe going a one percent, a three percent or a five percent. And so we're making sure people are aware of that. We're making sure that they're signing waivers if they're making changes so that people don't have amnesia down the road when a claim occurs. So this is a time you really got to tighten your shock group. And make sure you really document heavily in your management system and to the insured about the choices they're choosing. Let me ask you this, Bob. You said 26% increase revenue, policy count, premium across the board. Would you trade, I'll call it extra work or extra effort, would you trade this extra effort for a 26% increase every year? Um, no, but I tell you what, it'll wear on you, Dave. I, I will tell you. Oh, I, mean, I know. You know, 80 hours a week, 90 hours a week, you know, and I travel quite a bit. This year, I, I was in uh, nine countries. And so even when I'm traveling, I'm working, it, it wears on you. I mean, you love the growth, but you know, with growth comes pains because you got to manage that growth. We have a QA department that goes back and looks to make sure every app is signed, every app is filled out correctly, everything is attached correctly. And so I can tell you the first year, 10 years, I didn't have that. You know what I'm saying? 
And so a new agent coming in, I would say put some very good practices in. You know, I seen somebody go out yesterday on in Super, one of the other ones, and talked about management systems. And I would tell them, think about what you're wanting to achieve. You know, there's a lot of great systems out there, a lot of great things you can do. But find something that's going to work for you and start doing it right away. Because when you get 100, 1,000, 5,000, 10,000 clients, it gets to be a nightmare. And you don't know which one. This year, we had seven times where something happened where they wanted to see files from 10 years ago, 12 years ago, 15 years ago, signed documents. And we had wow. them. Thank God. We had all the documents. You know, but again, if we didn't do what we were doing, maybe somebody would have missed something by accident. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and so you need to have systems in place to go back and check what's being done, making sure things are signed off, your waivers, your checklist, all the applications, all the documentations, especially when people want to cut things or change things. And I don't want this. I don't want that. And then a claim. We had a lady that waved PIP crazy 10 years ago. Here she gets in a serious auto accident. We get a letter from a law firm not believing that we didn't offer her PIP. We were able to pull out the applications, pull out the documents, pull out the conversation, pull the recording from the phone from 10 years ago. Wow. That shut that down immediately. But if I did not have that, then I could have possibly been in an Eno situation. Did we forget? Did we miss something? I mean, who knows? This employee's no longer with me. It was 10 years ago. Right, right. And you wouldn't have any proof. That's right. Whether it did happen or didn't. So, yeah. So cover yourself. Um not just in a hard market. That's not it's what you're saying. It's all the time. It's, Do that it's, all the it's time. It's best practices across the board. Mm -hmm. Correct. Yep. So I didn't mean to say every year you trade 26% for this kind of workload because it does wear on you. You're right. But knowing that this is going to be here, 23, probably all of 24, who knows beyond that? Um, We're adding more my staff. My guess is... We're adding What's more that? staff. We're adding more staff right, for yeah. next year. So you'll see okay. on social media, they'll say another person just got a board clinger. Another person. It's because we're seeing, we know we need to have more people quoting. Yes, I can have people in the Philippines do certain things, but I need the people who are licensed that can answer right. the calls to do, deal with the questions. And so we're already expecting that there because um, we have high growth commitments, but we also know uh, the market is still shaky. We have care saying we may not make money till 2027 or 2026. I know. I and know. we have Kira saying, well, submit us to apps and wait seven days and we'll get back to you. That That's not going to happen. That's just telling no. me you don't want me to give you no. business. So we move right. on to the next company. And right. so it's going to be here for a while. And you just got to find ways to adapt and overcome it. And when you start thinking about the positive versus the negative, you will find solutions. Yeah. So here's my question. Five to 10 years from now, when this so-called so -called hard market is passed, we're going to all look back, and I think you'll agree, we're going to look back and say, I'm so glad that happened to us. All right, do you think? Or yeah, are you going I mean, to have regrets? You're, you're going to wear that tab there, right on the right, and it's going to be a combat action badge for insurance. You know, like the CIB <laughs> in the military, you're going to have that yeah, combat yeah. action badge for insurance. Because, you know, when I've never been through something this bad. You know, we've had times over the 30 years, but nothing this bad. But it makes you stronger. It teaches you, do you have the right people in the right seats? Do you have the right systems in place? Uh, what type of clients do you have? There, there are some clients we let go or we, we've right. denied or turned away a ton of business this year because it's not what we do or I'm not going to deal with somebody that has so many issues. I'll be glad to refer them to my neighbor down the street. It's not a problem. And right. so we are real precise about the ideal client for our firm. That's key. 
I talk to so many young agents who just feel like I got to put bread and milk on the table. So I'll write anything that walks in the door calls. But you'll learn real quick, especially in this market, you'll learn real quick that it's just something you cannot do. You got to set yourself up for long-term success. Don't do it for the short term. I mean, we had a guy call us yesterday, one of the bond, okay, surety bond, $300. But he wasn't giving us the opportunity for the business, the workers' comp. I said, well, maybe you should go back to your other agent. Well, my other agent doesn't do bonds. I said, well, I'm looking at his website now. He says it does bonds. I said, maybe you had to approach him. I said, because honestly, sir, I make 15 to $20 per bond, and my staff cost me more than that. So if for you're not sure. willing to give me, I mean, you have to look at what does it cost to deal with, with an account. Yeah. A standalone $300 bond doesn't cut the mustard. You know. Not a chance. No, no. So that's a good decision. Bob, we could talk for hours and hours and people just love hearing you. You may say you don't feel like you're a very good public speaker. I, I know I'm not, but uh, it doesn't matter. The, the words and wisdom that come out of your mouth are so precious. You are helping so many people you don't even know. And that's what this is all about. So I want to say again, thank you for coming on and sharing everything you had. We just went almost an hour and it felt like, you know, I could have gone, we could have stayed on here for five, six more hours because uh, there's so many things. I look at your bio and I could ask hundreds of questions for literally about all the projects you've been involved in and the things you do overseas. And why did you decide to go to, you know, the Philippines to do your own thing versus you know, hire VAs from other companies. Oh my gosh, all the questions, right? Anyway, I just want to say thank you. We have to wrap it up because we've had our time for today. Thank you so much. We are right in the holiday season of 2023. So I want to tell you and your family, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Enjoy your holiday and be safe, young man. I appreciate you. Thank you, Dave. The same. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. And let's look forward to a new uh Great, great things in 2024. God bless. Sounds great. Appreciate you. Thank you. This is Captain Dave signing out from sunny Hendersonville, Tennessee. Thanks all you Clamcast listeners. And you also have a great and safe holiday season. Spend time with your family and understand the important things in your life. Because those loved ones are the ones that you need to spend time with and tell them you love them. So take care, everybody. Captain Dave signing out. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Collabcast with IAOA with Captain Dave Jackson. Production and distribution by Podsquad.fm, Riverside.fm, and Spotify for podcasters. Special thanks to Little Dog Social Media, Terry Champion, and all our guests and listeners. If you're an independent insurance agency owner, please subscribe to our podcast weekly. You can also request to join our agency owner exclusive Facebook group, IAOA or Insurance Agency Owners Alliance at IAOA.com. Captain Dave Jackson signs out from sunny Hendersonville, Tennessee.